of you last week spent, it, you know, at least an hour in prayer? Anybody spent an hour in prayer last week? Not many of you. I appreciate the honesty. Okay? Uh, you know, I think we probably spend an hour in prayer at just about every other service this uh, last couple of days. Uh, this group of people is really passionate about prayer. Uh, prayer is hard, though. Uh, there's a, a pamphlet, or not a pamphlet I wrote, but a bunch of materials I, I grabbed and, and put together. And uh, it, one of the things it talks about it is that prayer is hard. Real prayer is hard. It's exhausting. Uh, if you come, and I hope you come, to the um, prayer meeting we have, the meeting for prayer once, once a month, it's one hour of prayer. Now, usually it's not one hour because we have to start late because people show up late. Uh, and then we have to end on time for the most part. So it's less than an hour. But it's just prayer. And if you come and you participate, and if you've been there, you know. It's tough. Because it's concentrated talk with God. Concentrated talk with God. Well, you say, I'm an introvert. I don't like to talk to people. Well, God's okay. You can talk to him. But if you're going to really talk to God, it's not a casual conversation, generally. Prayer is talking with God. You know, if you've got your... Uh, eh, tossed it down here and I've got to find it again. If you grab the um, announcements sheet and turn to the back, you'll see the notes that I have. Now, when it comes to prayer, we, <clears throat> prayer, we usually think in terms of requests. Too often we think about prayer, we think, Oh God, I need this. Anybody have a need today? Anybody have a need today? Don't lie to me. You all got needs. Every single one of you have needs. Have you talked to God about it lately? Good. We should be talking to God about our needs. Because God is God, for crying out loud. Does God always answer your prayers? Absolutely not. I think it's wonderful to have Mildred here. Mildred's an example of God answering prayer. She's here. She's alive and kicking and, and spunky as always, you know. She's got some oxygen still. All right, she needs a little assistance, but she's here in answer to prayer. Uh, you, uh, my wife wanted me to mention that on Wednesday night she talked about a girl on the south side uh, who there was a botched surgery situation. The girl was basically in a, in a forced coma. She sh wasn't going to live. Uh, well, today she's still alive. In fact, uh, she's seen dramatic improvement. And I credit prayer because a lot of people have been praying for this person's healing. God doesn't always heal though, does he? God doesn't always heal. Yeah, Jim would, you know, Jim's been asking us for prayer. He's still in pain, right? Sometimes God doesn't choose to heal. Doesn't choose to do as we ask. Maybe your issue is you need a job. We've been praying for Don for a job forever. God willing, she'll get one. She's had enough interviews, but it's in God's hands. We have to remember, though, that if we don't pray, why should we expect to receive? And if we don't pray with proper motivations, then why do we think God would respond? Turn with me to James 5, because I want to take us to this last section of the book of James. A few of you, including Bob, wonder why I'm here today. Because we are in an undisclosed location outside of our home in Skokie. Just to get away. And it's because I wanted to preach this last section about prayer. It's also going to be my last sermon for the summer. For some of you, you're very happy about that. No. It would be the elders. Okay. I wanted to preach this message on prayer. Because I think we as a community, we're pretty weak in prayer. We really are. 
We don't have a passion for prayer like we need to. And in this text, we, we see some very simple principles about prayer. And so I want us to begin, we're going to start by looking at the text. James chapter 5, again, Yaakov, which is what his mother called him. Uh, Yaakov chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. It says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the, for the elders of, the, of Messiah's community and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous person is very powerful. So as we consider prayer... And we consider passionate prayer. And when we consider that God commands us to talk with Him, that God desires us to have our faith in Him, and that prayer is a demonstration of that faith, then we need to understand a couple important points from these three verses, 13 through 16. First is that God wants us to look to Him for our needs. We need to be entrusting God for our needs. We need to truly believe that God is the one who provides for us, not ourselves. If you honestly say it's because of my hard work and my good looks that I'm going to do well, you're fooling yourself. Because you just never know what can happen in life. Life is very... Life can just change dramatically. Remember the yurt site of, De uh, of, uh, of Dennis, of your father, right? Uh, Schley, uh, who in the very prime of life, died. Of a brain aneurysm. You know, things happen. We cannot trust in ourselves. We must trust in the Lord. Prayer reminds us to entrust God for our needs. And part of this begins, well, we're going to have three points here. First, and I want you to write these down. The first is petition. We need to actually go and talk to God. We need to trust in the Lord our God for our needs. I was talking to a guy, I met a guy, and I said, you know, we were over breakfast, we're talking. He talked about issues in his life, so do you pray? He says, no, I don't pray. I, I pray twice a day, he says. I pray when I get up and I pray when I go to bed, and my prayer is, thanks God for, for you know, thanks God for a day. Thanks God for a day. And I said, well, that's good. But have you, do you really go before God with needs? Do you pray for your kids? Do you pray for the issues in your life? And this person said no. And when I encouraged him to do so, his attitude was, well, I don't want to bother God. Can you bother God? You can bother God with your sin and your arrogance, your intransigence. But if you go before God in a proper motivation and present your needs... You, you, God would be happy. Happy to hear you. Because God wants his children to be in communication with him. To be talking with him. We need to take our petitions, our requests before the Lord. Looking to him to meet our needs. Our reliance must be on him. That's the very first thing when it comes to entrusting God for our needs. The second is prayer. Or praise, I'm sorry, praise. Appreciation to God. Thanking God for what he has done. You didn't get where you are today on your own. 
There's a lot of people to thank. I've been to a few graduations recently, and in the graduations, uh, usually somebody at some point says to the people graduating, now take a moment and thank the people that got you here, your parents and your guardians, okay? And, and of course, the kids all clap. The kids all clap. That's good. They've got to show appreciation. Do we praise God for what he has done? Do we really praise him and worship him? You know, one of the reasons we have a service is not just... You know, it's not just this sermon thing, okay? I think, um, you know, really the way we approach things, it's, it's, uh, it's a little baptistic in the sense that uh, a lot of people just kind of kind of endure through the worship, the liturgy, the music, because they want to hear whatever the rabbi is going to say, the speaker. That's a problem. If you're here and you do not have a heart of worship, then there must be an issue in your life. To come here and to worship the Lord our God. To praise Him for who He, done, who he is and what He has done. And we do that in the, the chunk of the, ser- the, the service on purpose. Hopefully you praise Him in the shower when you're at home. You know, Those of you who sing in the shower. But praising God, showing appreciation, thankfulness for what He's done. But this last part's important. Entrusting God for our needs should also have an expectation of power. Do you believe in the power of God? Do you believe in the power of God? I'm not talking crazy things like, you know, asking God to do something ridiculous. But if you have a need, and you feel a need, and you are are burdened by a need, do you ask God to do whatever is necessary to meet the need? Starting with the most difficult prayer to answer, and that is the unbelieving people in our lives, our family, our friends, people we care about. What is harder for God to do? To drop a million dollars in your bank account, which is what we usually think about when we talk about prayer and need, or or to save your family member? To save that Jewish friend or associate or just your pagan neighbor? What's harder for God to do? Think about it. Chew on that. The tangible is nothing to God. The problem with people is people have free will. God can make people miserable. God can bring things into the lives of people. But people will choose whether they will follow God or not. We need to pray for our unbelieving family, friends, neighbors. We need to pray that God would show his power to them. Uh, I think, uh, again, there was this illustration at the booth, you know, at the Skokie Festival booth of this woman, Iranian uh, Muslim woman or Saudi Arabian uh, uh, Muslim woman who God just was dogging. God was just dogging. Uh, showed up in dreams and said, I'm real. And the woman's like, I can't believe in you because I'll die. <laughs> you imagine that? Talk about chutzpah. This Muslim girl says to the God who shows up to her, I can't believe in you because if I do, I'll die. Now, of course, God just says, okay, fine, I'm out of here. No! Power of God. God continues to dog this woman until finally this woman becomes a believer. It's amazing. Do you pray that God would dog people? You know what I mean when I say that that phrase? It's a shortened version of what is referred to as the hound of heaven. God pursuing with persistence, like a hunting dog, his prey with the souls of people. Do we pray like that? Do we pray like that for God to save people? Do we really believe in the power of God? God can do anything he wants, but God will only operate according to his will. So let's say you have a desire, a need, a sickness. 
Do you pray, God, say, heal me no matter what? Or do you pray, God, heal me according to your will? Hezekiah, king of Israel, got upset because God said, put your house in order, you're going to die. And so what does he do instead of submitting to the will of God? He turns his face to the wall and says, I want to get healed. I don't want to die. I'm too young to die. So God says, okay, fine. He gives them 15 more years of life during that time. Of course, Manasseh is born. And the revival of Israel that took place during Hezekiah's reign all comes to nothing. Because Manasseh becomes king and destroys everything. Leads to the destruction of Israel. Are you sure you should? Hezekiah should have died. <laughs> Sometimes God's will isn't what we want. But we have to remember that God's will is always what is best. We need to entrust God for our needs. And we should expect that God, because he is powerful, will do according to his will. But that we have the faith to pray it like that. Now, the other point I want to make, I got time still. Wow, great. And trusting God for our needs, this is that second point. And trusting God for our needs involves the encouragement of others. You need to remember the importance of encouragement from others for your own personal growth and development, especially when it comes to prayer. Okay, we see this again in this text, and this is important. It says, "Is anyone suffering? If anyone, let him pray. If anyone cheerful, let him sing. If anyone's sick, let him call. Let him call." And this is an interesting formula here in this text. This text is not about a formula for prayer, other than this: you have a need physically. It's your responsibility to call for the elders and ask them to come to you and to pray for you. The whole anointing of oil in this is a secondary. In the Greek, it's a secondary participle. It's not important. It's almost like the elders come and apply a little medicine. But it's not the key. It's not what's important. What's important here in the text is you calling for prayer and the elders coming and praying. But all too often in my limited experience of ministry in the last 30 years... People don't generally ever call the elders to pray for them. I've known people, even in the midst of an opportunity to come up for prayer, who don't bother to, even though they really need it. We need the involvements of other people, especially spiritual authority. There is something supernatural that is in this, in the fact that the elders are entrusted by God to pray for sick people when they request it. Bob, how many times have we been called up recently for sick prayer? 37. 37. None. Not much recently. So I want you to understand the biblical principle involved here. Is that if you're sick, you pray and ask God to heal you. If, but, but certainly there is something in the text. If you're sick, you should ask us to come and pray with you. <laughs> That's what it works. That's what it's all about. I also want to point out that uh, I think that the reason that this secondary principle talks about it and let them anoint with oil is only the encouragement that it's okay to use medications. You know, there are some groups that say, no medications, no doctors. That's not biblical. All right? God gave people wisdom and insight, and we should take advantage of that. But the primary thing we should be doing is, is asking God for healing and seeking others to pray for us. I would say that that's also a principle. You have issues in your life, seek 
others to pray for you. In essence, you're humbling yourself. This is the principle. You're humbling yourself before God. You're confessing sin. There was one time we did this. This was the only... No, Nomani. This is how long back it goes. Nomani went and prayed for somebody who had a... They actually asked us to come and pray. A guy who had a, had a, had a back issue. And in the midst of praying for him, we asked him if there were sins to confess. He confessed sins. We prayed over him and the pain went away. You know, sometimes we forget the reality of what the biblical text teaches. That if we harbor sin in our lives, that it not only will affect our relationship with God, it affects us physically. Physically. Now you may say, well that's just ridiculous. That's just... Doesn't make any any logical sense. Oh, but didn't we're talking here about spiritual realities? Spiritual realities. So we need to entrust the fact that the God of Israel is going to provide healing, and He wants us to, in humility, invite spiritual authorities into our life, as well as others. But here right now, spiritual authorities to provide healing. To provide healing, to pray. All right. It doesn't mean that they themselves are guaranteeing anything. But it's this, this is the formula. The approach that we see in this text. Now I encourage you to think of how you can practically apply it into your lives. And, uh, and I would say too, uh, that um, you know, if you're someone that, that just loves to pray for people, then let people know and offer to pray for people who are, who are sick. And, and encourage people. I think that that's also something that's important uh, to keep in mind. Now, uh, in verse 17, verse 17, it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Eliyahu Hanavi, Elijah the prophet. We think of this immense man of God, the superhuman persona. You know what's reinforced in the text continuously? Is that Elijah was normal. He was ordinary. Just like you guys. Just like me. Ordinary. What made him stand out? Faith. He was an ordinary person who did extraordinary things because he had faith in God. He actually had faith in God. Everything in the text makes me think, this guy probably didn't uh, spend much time in school. He probably was out doing things. He was that rough and tumble, kind of a woodsman type, out there fellow. But along the way, he came into a powerful relationship with God. And he really believed God. And at one point, God, because he was in relationship with him, they would pray, he would pray and God would talk to him. And the bottom line is, as God said, go tell Ahab it ain't going to rain. Until you say so. Now, he took a step of faith. I mean, probably not such a big step if he really was so, you know, had such a great relationship with God, he just did what God told him to do. And it didn't rain. And you know the story. And if you don't, go read it in the text. I'll tell you, well, uh, it's in the Kings, Second Kings, right? So, or First Kings. But, but he was an ordinary man. God takes ordinary people like you and like me and he does extraordinary things with us when we learn to trust him, when we learn to live lives of faith. He really believed in an extraordinary God too. That's important. I think the problem with us in our secular society today is we really don't believe that God is all that powerful. 
that God has all really can do much. You know? God can do far more than we think. We, we just got so much junk around us, we, we don't really appreciate it. We don't really live lives of faith. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, the, the, the American evangelical church is the wealthiest church the world has ever known. And yet they give less on a percentage basis to some of the poorest people in the world. Why? Because we don't live lives of faith. Maybe that's some of you in this room. You have so much money you really don't know what to do with it, but you really don't tithe. You don't give in any way that demonstrates faith. Or maybe when it comes, you know, we have so much. Do you know we have more leisure time today as Americans than most of the people in the world again? Because we have all these things. We have a society that generally works. You don't have to worry about somebody coming around and killing you or stealing your stuff. Because we actually have a law system that works. We have free time. And we waste it on stupid things that don't matter. We're biblically illiterate as believers in our country because we don't make time to read our scriptures and to study them. We don't take advantage of the tools that we have. All that we have to learn more and more about God. Why? We're, we just don't. We just don't. And because of that, we're, and we're spiritually paupers. We're poor. We're not much of a testimony to the world around us. Again, prayer. Prayer takes a lot of work, but how many of us pray? We just talked about it. We have all this, really, we have all this free time. But if I were to go and take a poll, I'm sure you watch about 10 or 15 hours worth of TV a week on a per average. You know, I don't want to talk about video games with some of you because that's a sore subject. But can we pray for an hour? Can we pray for 15 hours a day? Every day. Can you read your Bible for 15 minutes, 15 hours, 15 minutes a day every day? You know what I'm saying? Can, can we prioritize God? That takes faith. Elijah was ordinary, but he invested his time in something that mattered. He invested his time with God. He spent time with God. He wanted to know God. Do you want to know God? You have to spend time with Him. You have to talk with Him. That's what Elijah did. And because of that, he built a relationship with God that allowed God to do tremendous things through him. Do you want God to do tremendous things through you? That's the question. This whole chapter ends. Verse, verse 19, it says, My brothers and sisters, if any among you strays from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that the one who turns a sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. I want to read something. Um, well, let me just mention this and I'll read something. First of all, do you notice here whose responsibility it is to be engaged in the lives of others? It's my job, right? It's always the leader. It says, you elders. So me and Bob, we're supposed to go around and play cop. Oh, it doesn't say that, does it, Bob? No. Brothers and sisters, a very common phrase just meaning us. All us fellow believers. We're responsible for one another. You know, in uh, this, this is a song I think associated with this. In, uh, there was a terrible, you know, Vietnam was a terrible war. 
and uh, there was a, a, a kid carrying a kid and uh, they were running away from I think uh, a battle or it was a terrible situation it's just but the one of the American reporters saw this kid carrying his kid and uh, he said what's what's the issue here and uh, I mean isn't this too hard for you to do you know carrying carrying this this big kid uh, you know and the guy said no it's not a big problem he's not heavy he's my brother Remember that phrase, he's not heavy, he's my brother? You've heard that before? I think there's a song or something. How many of you are so weak in your personal relationship with God, you can't provide any caring for anybody else? You can't encourage anybody because you've got nothing to encourage anybody with. When it says, brothers and sisters, and put your name in there, Can you help other people turn back to God? Who can you encourage in your life? Who is it that you can turn? What sinner can you impact? That's where the rubber hits the road. This entire book of James has been so pragmatic. And as we conclude it, the challenge I want to leave us with is is our personal responsibility to be spiritual encouragers of others. It's every single one of you. Every single one of you, but you can't do it if you're not passionately praying because it all has to come out of your own personal relationship with God. You know, as I travel, and I know I'm going to be going to Israel here in a week. You know, what I find is that the believing community today really needs revival. Really needs renewal. We really need strengthening. We need to remember what it's all about. It's not about religion. It's not about money. It's not about buildings. It's not about programs. It's all about personal relationship with God. And the problem we have in the West is that we have so much junk (laughs) that it really blocks us from appreciating the simple reality of relationship. You know, social media is killing relationship, interpersonal relationship. Just give it a little bit of time. It's going to become more and more evident. But how much more so is all of this impacting us in terms of our personal relationship with God? How passionate are you in your prayers and how much do you pray? Prayer is more than words. It's the heartfelt pursuit of and communication with God Almighty. I encourage you to be a passionate prayer like Elijah. But you know, this is the key. It's just talking with God. When you wake up in the morning, it's saying, Morning God. Can I have a heavy day today? I need some encouragement, some help. Give me some wisdom. Got a problem. I feel lousy, God. (laughs) Can you help me feel? God, I need a parking spot. I got to drive downtown. God loves that kind of prayer. God, I like my boss. He's a total pagan. We're going to have lunch today because he knows I'm a believer. Give me wisdom. 
Open his heart that he would believe. Give me an understanding of what I can do. God, I'm lost. I don't know what's going on in my life. I don't know what side's up. God, I need encouragement. You can pray all day long. There's so much that happens all day long. That's relationship. God wants us to pray. He wants us to pray about the things we need. He wants us to pray about the difficulties we're in. He wants us to seek advice from Him. How do you seek advice from God? Is He going to actually answer? Yes, He will. He will. And He probably will not respond verbally, but then He might. Would you be prepared for God to respond to you with a bot call? I have heard God speak very verbally to me on at least two occasions. Two for sure. Two. But there's a tremendous amount of wisdom and advice I've gotten from God just by reading his biblical text and following him and being sensitive to the fact that the Spirit of God lives within me and he shows me the right thing to do from time to time. It's nudges. Or if I'm not doing what I should be doing, it's a two-by-four. But God wants us to pray. God wants us to develop a deep prayer life with him, to believe that he can do the impossible but that, he, that, that the possible thing that he's burdening us in regards to. Well, I encourage you to pray. I encourage you to develop your relationship with God. I encourage you to be passionate to know who he is, just like you would some of you couples are passionate to know one another. So be like that. Well, if you, those of you who are not married. But anyway, the bottom line is being passionate to know God. It's all in the, communica- it's all in the communication. That's what it's all about. Let's close in a word of prayer. God, we thank you so much for the fact that you are a God who answers prayer. But God, that really all you're interested in is communication with us. You just want us to talk with you, to to be in relationship with you through our words, through our passion, through our emotions, God. I pray, God, that we would be individuals desiring to know you with all of our heart, mind, and soul, God. And that, God, you would lead us Pray we would be humbled before one another and seek prayer from one another. That we would seek your healing in our lives as needed and as according to your will. But God, more than anything, that, that God, we just pray that you would be powerful in regards to our people, our Jewish people, that you would save them, God, and that you would use us, God, in, in whatever way you wish. Again, we just thank you for, for your love, which has made this all possible through our faith in Messiah Yeshua and his sacrificial death on our behalf. We pray this in Yeshua's name.